We're just okay, and we play some movies. We're just okay, movie watchers. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Just Okay Movies. I'm your host, Biggie Sides, and as always, I'm joined by... Guido. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Hey, 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 Guido. Man, it's been a couple of months since the last episode. How you been, man? Uh, I've been all right. Uh, Hanging in there, doing work. Uh, Winter's wrapping up. Thank heavens. March is great. March is like that guy at the theater... That kind of wrangles the curtain, and he just started cinching it back, you know? Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Speaking of which, what is a movie that makes... Oh, what's, what's the way I could word this? When you watch it, it makes you, like, feel winter. Or at least when you think of winter, like, what's the movie that normally comes to mind? Th- that might be a better way of saying it. Hmm. It's a good question. Uh, Christmas movies, generally, is a safe sure. bet. So Christmas Story, uh, probably my all-time favorite Christmas movie is Christmas Story. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Of course. I did not know that. Um, it's the one I grew up with. It's the one we watched every Christmas. It was always on TV. Um, it came out a bit before my time, not but not much, or right around my time. I wonder when Christmas Story came out. Probably yeah, I late eighties, like mid eighties. Yeah, yeah, mid late. Yeah. So yeah, the perfect time when I was, you know, a seven eight year old boy. The movie hit home on all the things that I was probably going through at that time, but <laughs> uh, you know, set back quite a few years in the forties and fifties. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I love Christmas Story. But other than that, if if I'm thinking just like cold, if I'm thinking just barren hellscape that is winter for me not so much for you because i'm in the north and you're in the south (laughs) right man what's a cold movie what makes me feel cold when i watch it you ever see the gray the gray the the liam neeson (laughs) flick yeah or he fights see that he takes some yeah he takes some uh tape and wraps his hands or dips him in honey or something and then he like <laughs> sticks it in glass like he's in blood sport he's like i'm gonna fight these wolves i'm liam neeson the greatest oh, thing they're like liam neeson we've had you fight kidnappers we've had you fight uh hijackers of planes terrorists of all sorts we're running out of humans so now stick with me here liam we're going to do wolves this time. He's like, sign me up. 100% on board. Is it fair to say that Liam Neeson is the new Steven Seagal? No, definitely not fair. Really? That's insulting to Liam Neeson. Yeah. What? Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. I mean, well, the Steven Seagal films, although I will say Liam Neeson, his films have a lot better budget written but i mean ultimately you've got you know liam neeson on a train uh was it's about to explode or something liam neeson uh in the woods fighting wolves with glass hands uh liam neeson having his daughter taken like 10 times already like i i don't think it's out of the question to say he's like the new either jean-claude van damme or probably more steven seagal in that it's an action film. You hear about it. Oh, Liam Neeson starring in it? That uh, doesn't surprise me all that much. Uh, you, you can write me a letter 
when Liam Neeson is on his own like bounty hunter reality show on the Bravo Network. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, Steven Seagal's doing that? Yeah, he was like a cop for a reality show. Really? Yeah, he's gone off the deep end. And that said, Steven Seagal had maybe two entertaining movies in the way early 90s. Um, what's the one he's on a boat or a submarine? Is that one of them? Yep. Under siege. That's it. Yeah. That's the only one I knew that was like a really decent movie. Yeah. Under siege two. He was on a train, but then he's got, uh, like, man, they're all stupid titles. Some of them are good. Some of them are not <laughs> like never back down or, you know, don't give up the, that Steven's golf story. It's all the same in the end. Uh, Exit Wounds with DMX, that was a fun one. Uh, But that was right at his tail of like, okay, I'll watch it for DMX, not not for Steven Seagal. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) But do do you think that people said the same thing about Steve? Like what I'm saying now about Liam Neeson comparing him to Seagal, people said the same thing about Steven Seagal being the next uh, Charles Bronson. And we're like, no, no way. No, he's Oscar Schindler. No one ever thought, no one ever looked into a crystal I mean, ball that, and saw this career trajectory that he's on. <laughs> at, like after 1993, when, Oscar, when Schindler's List came out, everyone was like, <laughs> you know what? In, fucking, in two decades, that boy is going to be fighting wolves with glass hands. <laughs> I didn't think about Schindler's List. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that does throw. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think he's in the ballpark. You're Just over here comparing Oscar Schindler to Steven Seagal. How dare you? <laughs> I, I am. I, if I only did, he could have done not... more. He could have sold his if rings. He, he could have sold his coat. If only he could have done more. What is Steven Seagal <laughs> doing, huh? He's kicking a terrorist head outside of a, well, he pops out of a cake on a, on a big boat. <laughs> Get out of here! Comparing the <laughs> you two, you got me. You got me a little, but I'll, I'm still holding to my guns. But I will give you some ground on that. <laughs> well, Guido, you know I have been really sitting down, kind of sifting through the. I'm gonna call it crap. Last year did not have any great films, so I've been trying to figure out which one are the ones we're gonna expect to see as a nomination for Best Picture, and uh, you know the Golden Globes just happened. Uh, like a week or two ago, and that always kind of gives you a good idea of what to expect. But man, there are some stinkers. It's uh, been a rough that. year for movies. It has. It has. Um, you know, the one that won uh, best, what they, they even call it best, yeah, best drama, I guess you could say, which is probably going to be a best picture nom- nominee is uh, Nomad Land. I haven't and, watched that uh, yet. I'd like to watch that soon. I'm, I won't. S- <laughs> it's all right. It, okay, it, it's so I'm exactly- gonna, I'm really gonna like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you'll saying. probably love it. <laughs> I did not care for it. Uh, not technically, I thought it was a very good film. I just had an issue with the direction of the story. I won't go too much into it, but I'm, I don't want to say much more because I don't want to ruin it. But I mean, comparing this to even oh, what hell? What what one? Uh, one best picture last year for Oscars. Uh, Parasite won. Okay, yeah, no comparison. 
not 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 even close. And and I am fully expecting, and just so everyone knows what the nominees were for the best drama for Golden Globes, uh, it was Nomadland, The Father, which I had never heard of, but it's got Anthony Hopkins, looks kind of good. Uh, Mank, which is the story of uh, the writer of Citizen Kane. Uh, Promising Young Woman, which I, I haven't seen. And Trial of Chicago 7, which I could argue is maybe Aaron Sorkin's worst film he's ever made. Wow. Uh, I, I, that's just me. And he won awards for it. He won Best Screenplay. He won a Golden Globe for Best Screenplay, well, and it's it, garbage. It really does uh, sing to Hollywood and kind of their it whole does. ideals. So it's not surprising. Right. And we've gone over it in the past that... Uh, if you can hit the right bullet points on a movie, you you you're probably gonna get nominated. You know, hit get good performances, get good direction. You know, all that. It can be, you know, right above the level of average. But then if you hit some hot topics, baby, you're in. And nothing's hotter than you know. Uh racially driven story you know right now it's and it makes sense because it's a good time to have those discussions and i want to see that story because it, it's quite fascinating it's one i didn't really know anything about uh and it was very interesting but i know aaron sorkin's work he's a great writer but i don't know it i felt like he phoned it in a bit on this one like it could have been uh handled so much better and i it's, the acting was fantastic you know the camera work all that stuff was great dude sasha uh, baron cohen fucking nailed uh he did that part who was he again god uh he was one of the hippies um yeah but like the most was, famous hippie <laughs> right i can't remember his name Hoffman. either but yeah he was there, there you go yeah, he did great. And he's a fantastic actor. I think we've known that for for a while, e even with the, you know, you kind of get lost in the Borat stuff and all the characters. But I mean, it takes a, a solid actor to pull that stuff off, especially convincingly. Uh, and I think it showed here that, you know, he has even more range than what he's been given credit for. He's a great actor. Um, but I just did not like how it was written. Uh, it, it just it felt clunky. Uh, felt a bit messy in parts. It just was not as smooth as I would have expected from him. And the fact that he won a, a globe for it, but you know, fine. That that's great, I guess. I felt but it was I, one I of the more entertaining movies of last year. I would agree with you there. It, out of last, <laughs> Which, year, comparing just the last year, you are right. Like, and it wasn't superb. It, like, I enjoyed it. But, you know, I give it a seven or something. But does it deserve yeah. to win, like, you know, a Golden Globe for the best picture or anything? I don't know. I guess because there wasn't much else. Right. And and that's kind of, yeah, that's that's kind of the problem. You know, there's just so much. <sighs> Nothing I would say is like such a great film that just kind of carries with you. Like if, if these nominations are anything to point to, which I'm sure they're saying Chicago 7, Nomadland and Mank will definitely the contenders for best picture after seeing all three of them i can't say one of them is like oh this is fantastic i, I will say mate will probably win for the point that you brought up guido it hits all of those notes that people in the academy board whatever they call themselves love 
you know, love that old-timey Hollywood feel, you know, kind of rubbing elbows and stuff like, oh, I remember stories about that guy. They got that so right. Yeah, I remember that guy. He's an asshole, but he made good movies. Uh, you know, hits all that stuff. And I will say, technically, Mank is fantastic. Out, out of this world good on a technical level. Like, it feels like a film made at that time. Like, perfectly to the sound to the, the actor's capabilities. I mean, it doesn't have that new Hollywood feel. It feels like a film made in the 30s and 40s. Almost like you're watching Citizen Kane. It has that feel, but man, the story is not great. <laughs> it's They tried their hardest to make it super interesting, and it is in parts, but it is weighed down by so much dialogue that... I, I feel like I'm kind of the normal everyman. You know, I know some about film. I don't know a, a shit ton about film history, but I feel like there's a lot of names being thrown around that you kind of have to know how they tie into film at that time to get some of the jokes or some of the humor. Uh, and it kind of weighs down the rest of the story because you, you kind of have to, like, get caught up to where they're at with their dialogue, and then you're able to follow. Not a bad film. Not mm, bad at all. Sure. I, I don't it like just, it when movies, when I have to have these checkpoints in my mind where I'm right. watching a movie and I start to lose it. And then I'm like, hold on, you, you've been paying attention. Here's what happened. And then you have to go through that mental checklist of like, okay, why does that character like that character? Uh, what's going on? What's their motivation here for doing that? And then you're like, it, it only takes me a couple seconds in my own brain but I don't like having to do that. Although right. sometimes You're I suppose totally I right. do like doing having to do that. If that's right. the intention. Agreed. Uh, I agree with you there. And maybe it's just content. I mean, we, we try our hardest to be as objective as possible on here. But, you know, you, you can't. There's, there's a level where you just can't. You know, I love Citizen Kane. Uh, Orson Welles was a fascinating person. Uh, in, in many ways, do I really care that much about how the film was made? Uh, not really. I mean, that's interesting. It, it definitely had a lot of, uh, I mean, you talk about a movie that had a lot of politics going on. I mean, that's that's definitely a, a story there for you. But uh, to drag it out over two hours, uh, I don't know. It, it loses me fast. Um but scenery's cool, you know. It's something like we talked about with um, oh, what was that movie, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think you had made the comment that you like seeing all the scenery and and kind of living in that time. Mm -hmm. And even though I felt like it was too slow and taking too much time and that not enough to keep me interested, it it, it kind of I guess for me it falls into that category. Although it's a much better film overall, so you may really dig it because you really do get into the know what the production looked like uh going on at the time with you know the western films and and all that stuff and uh so all that stuff's cool it's it's like what you said the dialogue just sort of expects that you have some knowledge that i don't think every person's gonna have and i think you're gonna quickly find i don't give two shits about anyone in this film i'm having to just make myself watch interesting um whereas on the flip side, when we're talking awards, people are just going to eat this stuff up. It's it's true art house, 
probably at its greatest level, technically, uh, to, to reproduce a film nearly style that's nearly, what, 70 years old and make it almost feel like if you watched it then, you were, people wouldn't have been like, oh, this is a newfangled film from the 21st century. It looks just like an old film, feels just like an old film, sounds just like it. That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. But, you know, it's it's kind of similar to how the first two episodes of WandaVision went. Especially, oh, really? especially for my daughter, who you, I, I guess you haven't watched WandaVision? I haven't yet, no. Okay, weird. Um, <laughs> but the first two episodes, uh, it's no surprise that they're basic recreations of, uh, 50s sitcoms, uh, namely Bewitched and like, I don't know, I Love Lucy or I don't know, something like that. But, um, it was cool that they were doing that, but the audience that they're trying to connect with, their main demographic has no fucking nostalgia for this shit. And we have to sit and watch a 30-minute episode where they're just it's, – it's just an old sitcom episode. There's, like, maybe 20 seconds of kind of, like, teaser of what's really going on. But you're watching an old sitcom for those WandaVision. And it just doesn't connect with a, a vast majority of audiences. And I feel like it might be the same with Mank. Yeah, I – you explained that very well. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think a general audience, this is not going to fly at all. Um, but, you know, if, if you're if you're interested in that kind of old-timey feel, and, a, you know, I, from what I could tell, a very true story, um, you know, I, I said I don't know everything about exactly what was going on other than uh, Randolph Hearst being pissed that the film was being made because it was basically about him. Uh, you know, and kind of all the hurdles they kind of ran into and the writer's own downfalls uh, to creating what, what he considers to be the best thing he ever wrote. And I'd say that's probably true, considering Citizen Kane's usually in the top five, if not the number one spot for best film ever. Um, you know, that's all kind of interesting. I just, I think they should have just handled it a little bit better uh, for the, to really get the general audience person to get into that film and 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 really get involved um so yeah it sounds very similar one film and i i don't know if this one's been on your radar at all guido uh megan and i watched it last night and uh i've heard good things about it and it's, it's it's so funny how your perspective changes once you start watching all these films especially when they're considered to be you know the top of their class for last year um but it was not present on this list of nominees i think it may have gotten one nomination maybe for music or oh no he actually the main actor actually got a nomination for a uh best actor in a motion picture drama he deserves it far more than poor chadwick boseman you know i'm so sad that he died and i know that black panther is has been kind of uh clung on to culturally and that's fantastic but did he deserve best actor in a motion picture drama for last year? No, no, he 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 most certainly did not, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but I still also haven't seen a lot of this movie of 
Ma Rainey's black bottom. So maybe I'm wrong. I just can't believe that he's for, from his, I guess I've mainly just seen Black Panther, but other clips and stuff I've seen him in, I can't believe he was that good. But anyways, I'll, I'll digress on that. Um, uh, a movie? No, I oh, think it's... Do you want to interject? Well, <laughs> it, it's... It's in moratorium, right? In, in memoriam? Mem- memoriam? Is that it? In memoriam. memoriam. That's yeah. it, that's it. Moratorium is a whole different thing. Um, <laughs> so it, I'm on both sides of it. Like great actor, you know, died way too early, influential in Hollywood had, uh, uh, you know, connected with a, um, with a demographic of young people, uh, people of color, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and I could see why they would give it to him even if the performance wasn't the best but that said there might there should be like a different way to honor him right um because like what are the other people that he was up against have to say now you know (laughs) yeah they gotta go to lunch right they gotta go to lunch (laughs) and and they're like, hey, man, I saw the Golden Globes yesterday. Who is he up against? Give me just one name. Uh, Gary Oldman. Okay, Gary Oldman goes to lunch and, like, his, you know, the guy serving him, he, he goes there regularly. The guy serving him is like, hey, Gary saw the Golden Globes yesterday. You know, you were close. I would have pegged you. I would have pegged you to win. And then what does Gary Oldman say? He's like, well, you know, Chadwick. What are you going to do? It's Chadwick. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, the server just nods and like, yeah, Chadwick, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe if Chadwick hadn't died, he could get it, you know. And Gary's like, don't say that. (laughs) Well, that I know. And it's maybe that's also part of it is it's frustrating because. I'm, I'm it definitely he died incredibly too young and probably at, I mean probably at the prime of his career honestly is I mean Black Panther is definitely a a stepping stone for him culturally uh to really launch into probably a lot of great uh types of films and maybe his ability to grow even more uh so if that's kind of their reasoning for giving giving him this you know award postmortem uh Okay, I see. Definitely see your point, and, and in many ways, I wouldn't argue. Um, but I also agree with you, Guido. Maybe a different award would would be better if that's the reason. If they truly think maybe he that was, was the, best. the best performance, maybe he was. You know, if that's their opinion, then I totally agree. I have a hard time believing it compared to, uh, especially Gary Oldman's performance in Mank. Even though I didn't especially enjoy the film. His performance was outstanding, shockingly good for him, who's already an accomplished actor. It was great. Um, but uh, the reason I also bring up the other guy, uh, his name is Riz Ahmed. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's in a film called Sound of Metal, and mm. it it is fantastic. I wanted to watch that. I totally forgot about that. Thanks for bringing it up. Please go watch it. It is very, very good. 
very good. It's about uh, a uh, metal drummer, like right? A rock yes. metal drummer who uh, is going deaf. Right. That's all you really That's need right. to know, isn't it? And then how he deals yeah. with it. Exactly. That's you're exactly right. That's the premise. There's some subtext stuff going on as well, but those are the the core things. He's a recovering uh, drug addict, and he starts losing his hearing. And you know, uh, the metal band is kind of all he has. Very so much he's a losing his piece. way of life. Very much, very much, in a very fascinating uh, situation. Because the story itself, you know, if you take out the going deaf stuff, it's it's a story we've seen before. Hits a lot of the same points, uh, but adding in that kind of that uh, lifestyle is the wrong thing, but that world of someone becoming deaf, losing their hearing and having to figure out how to uh, not only cope with the oncoming reality that what they used to love to do is no longer in reach to the level he was at uh, and then has to learn this brand new world and how to cope with it as well as not falling back into a um, habit of doing drugs is a very fascinating take, uh, especially dealing with the, you know, him learning how to intertwine with the deaf community and, and learning all those uh, tricks of, you know, living life again. Uh, it's very, very neat and very well paced. M maybe a couple of areas that could use a, a little bit of fine tuning, uh, but I kind of compare that film to Nomadland in many ways. Uh, they are both kind of going for the same thing in just different directions. You know, the lady being a nomad and him uh, losing his, you know, she she kind of lost her life because of some things that happened. And he kind of lost his life because, uh, you know, he's losing his hearing. Uh, but I found the resolution to Sound of Metal far more interesting than the ending of Nomadland. And I'm honestly a little upset that uh the the latter is getting all the praise when really sound of metal is doing what that did only much much better oh don't but get that's mad. my opinion don't get mad oh, you... biggie <laughs> oh baby no. you know i had a oh. slight existential crisis when i said earlier i said it's a real character piece is what i said and i i had while you were talking i was thinking that's just what people want to hear is it Another like middle-aged white guy say that exact <laughs> sentence. It's a real character piece, and I was. <laughs> I really di dived into my soul while you were talking. So really, yeah. Well, what what <laughs> made, did you find? Well, it made me question why we're fucking doing this, big. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's millions of podcasts they can listen to that. Where two white guys talk about how things are character pieces. <laughs> yeah, but we're the only podcast <laughs> that tries to compare Liam Neeson to Steven Seagal, and you bring up the Schindler's List argument. Ah, there, that's fair. Okay, that I'm back. Unique. I'm back grounded. Feet have okay, returned. Good. That's good. That's good, man. Hey, hey, I'm here for you, man. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> uh, but. I really recommend everyone seeing Sound of Metal a lot, and I will be shocked if I don't see it um, on any list for the Academy Awards. Maybe it won't get the best picture, and, you know, that's their opinion, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but it definitely deserves some um, swell of support. 
the the check it out for what I, I think probably could be a, a real sleeper hit uh, if it's not given more recognition at the uh, Academy Awards. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to watch that probably this week or so. Well, you know, I was wanting to talk with you about uh, one movie. Have you ever seen 12 Monkeys? Uh, yeah, it's been, you know, well over two decades since I've seen it. So, oh, really? Yeah. I'll be reaching yeah, in there I'm... to try and pull any kind of uh, tasty tidbits I may have. I know it, it is a real character piece, so. <laughs> you're right oh quite so sir quite so I, I just imagine you with like your you're like adjusting your monocle and mm-hmm. and uh taking a little sip of tea yes yeah. why you say that <laughs> now that's a, a movie i had watched recently uh you know, i love the sci-fi stuff and uh, that's one i'd never seen before and i didn't realize you know all these years that it was developed uh developed uh directed by terry gilliam uh, oh you didn't know that which oh, we you had done- I did not know that. And, Probably his uh, best film, and, in my opinion. I don't really like Terry Gilliam movies. Uh, well, they're too like dreamy and oh, wait, it, 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 oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. I think even if I didn't uh, notice that the opening uh, title, uh, some of the imagery uh, reminded me so much of the the one we watched uh, that Wally recommended. Uh, Baron von Munchausen. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, definitely had that same. Definitely not as crazy as that film, uh, but is in the ballpark. Uh, but found the story to be kind of interesting because you know I kept wondering where is this going to go because it's just so all over the place with you know how it's going to end. You know, you have Bruce Willis jumping around in time periods all over the place, and you like wonder how are they going to tie it all together or get the psychiatrist lady how's he gonna convince her that you know he's not crazy he's doing exactly what he says he's doing and um i found it'd be fascinating like the bullet within the leg and uh some of the other things that happened that she starts realizing oh my god this is what's going on but i found it so interesting that it kind of goes through this uh paradigm shift where you know he's kind of crazy and she's the same one but around the end he's a little more sane but she's kind of gone insane and um, I don't know. It was just a fun dynamic. And I mean, Brad Pitt was awesome in it. Like, he's just yeah. insane. That's like his up and coming movie. I think he took a pay cut. I seem to remember someone, a video or something I've read where he took a pay cut to make that movie in exchange for uh, some other movie that they were going to cast him as like a, uh, a side character, but for a lot more money. And uh, he turned it down because 12 Monkeys was uh, the better script and uh, the one that he could really shine in. And that's partly what made him propel into the stardom that he, he is now. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. That was a good call. It really, uh, is, I guess it's interesting, you know, seeing his career and then looking back, like, I mean, he's it's definitely a different role for him compared to what he's, he's done later, but it still shows his range that I mean, he was convincingly insane, but grounded enough as a character that, you know, you, you could see those glimpses of sanity, even if it's just a bit twisted and that's not always easy to do. You can just, you know, you may go so far to be like, a, a the old, uh, before the Tim Burton films, you know, Joker, just be kind of silly. 
you know, in your insanity, but, you know, it really takes some work and good writing and a good actor to ground that character that they seem just about insane at times. You see those windows, but they're still just crazy. Uh, that takes a lot of work. They, uh, if memory serves me, correct me if I'm wrong, but they really leaned into the 1990s phenomenon of uh, tilting the frame of the camera through most oh, like of a, that movie. <laughs> like a Dutch angle, kind of that that, that sideways yes. kind of look. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I picture it in my mind's eye, and I all I see is these stilted turned camera angles when i think of 12 monkeys (laughs) right there's a lot of when they're set in the scene the you know if you're picturing like a a room the camera's kind of in a corner slightly tilted so and you see the kind of the person walk in the frame kind of from the what should be the side the right side of the camera but it's actually the bottom of the camera uh frame of the camera and it's it, it gives off like what you said that feeling of almost a dreamlike insanity state like nothing's quite right um uh, the script does that plenty but the uh, you're right about the camera angles really enforcing that that it's almost not even happening hmm. good film though i recommend it uh fascinating you'll um you'll get a lot of good sci-fi you know, early 90s sci-fi imagery, you know, looking a bit, I want to say cheap, but, you know, they make the, the sets look like they've just been put together by hand and it's just all a mess, which I just love. It just makes, you know, visually just makes the scene fascinating. Uh, but uh, I recommend it. But uh, have you watched uh, anything else, man? Uh, I watched a movie called The Kid Detective. Ooh. This How was that? Uh, this is a movie came out. 2020 it had to be 2020 uh stars adam brody you familiar with this guy oh he's still alive (laughs) yeah Um, wow yeah i don't know what he's been in but he's recognizable does that the last thing no it definitely does yeah yeah the guy that got left on the roof or he was like the bat he was the groom right Hold on, let me see. What was he in Hangover? I think of him in uh, what was that show? The OC. Uh, let me let me see if he was in Hangover. I could be totally wrong. Yeah, please look it up. I thought he was the one that they were partying for. That the three main characters. Looked it's for. not, but they look quite similar. Oh, do they? Uh, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, shoot. You know, he was like one of those characters that was just like in a bunch of little side roles for a while. What was his name? Uh, no, it's not those guys. That guy. My God, is he not even on the first page of the IMDb? Oh, yikes. He w- had a very be. small part oh, of that movie. Justin Bartha. Wow. Oh. oh, he was the side character in National Treasure. Okay, okay, okay. Anyways, Adam Brody, uh, Kid Detective. Uh, it's a dark, dry comedy about this man, this grown man who um, used to be a kid detective, to like solving mysteries for school chums. Uh, anything like think Hardy Boys or Babysitters Club or something like that. Um, 
he was the kid where you'd go to if you lost your trapper keeper someone keeps stealing the the candy bars out of your lunch sack you know um that character that we've all grown up with um but now he's grown up and he continued to be a private detective and he gets his first uh murder case and he's trying to figure out who um murdered this man a lady comes in says uh who's deceptively 16 years old she's in high school um and she says my boyfriend has been murdered and i want you to find out who killed him and he kind of goes through this journey of self-actualization and um of 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 be like having a real case and trying to prove to everyone that he's more than this kid detective that's washed up and and his parents are like guessing they're second guessing everything that he's doing like what why are you still doing these detective things like it was fun when you were a kid <laughs> now you're an adult and he's like i got a murder case now uh anyways it has some uh pretty witty lines it's it's funny very dry um very subtle comedy at points but when you pick up on it it's it's pretty good um it was fun it's just another movie that came out in 2020 that I watched. That's what it will be forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds really cool. It's a cool I like premise. The premise. Yeah, it's just uh, it doesn't offer enough of anything to make it memorable. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's it. But forget about that, Biggie. I got a little beef to pick with you. Oh, no. Okay, lay it on me. You wrote a scandalous tweet several days ago, and I'm going to read it verbatim and then let the audience react in their own hearts. And this is what Biggie Size says, at BiggieSize89 on Twitter, he writes, on March 4th, 2021, (laughs) at 11.35 p.m., he writes, I'm going to say it, Martin Scorsese might be overrated. I mean, his only Academy Awards win was The Departed, and it's terrible. Gonna go through his films again to confirm. Hashtag film, hashtag movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it sounds great to me. What's the problem? Uh, The fact that you would even consider that he might be overrated. Is is blasphemy. One of Hollywood's greatest directors, writer directors, and you're gonna say he might be overrated. Don't don't try and give us this uh this uh who was the other guy that you did? That one director. Oh Ridley Scott. Yeah. This Rid- you're trying to put him in the same boat as Ridley fucking Scott. That's like that's like Steven Seagal to Liam Neeson is the comparison. <laughs> Oh my god, my arguments are coming back to haunt me. Well, if they were okay, compared Hold on. in the boat before before oh, oh. okay, he won for the departed, right? Let's talk right. about his nominations. Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, The Departed. Should I keep going? Hugo, The Wolf of Wall Street, Irishman. 
You can't win them every year, Biggie. <laughs> You're okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Now I'm I'm just bringing. I am wanting to just open up people's minds to say, you know, may, may, maybe we've been giving him too much of a pass. Maybe he's not really as good as we think he is. Now, the the nominations are impressive, and I'm no way am I going to say all those films are bad. They're they're not. Of course, they're not. They're fine movies. Um, but that's fine. A lot of people make fine movies. But are we giving him too much credit? Maybe the films are not really as good as we remember. And that's why I'm kind of trying to find out. And I've actually already started that journey. I, I'm kind of, I, I was trying to decide how to do it. Uh, so I just picked one and went with it. So I picked Shutter Island. Like, let's yeah, just start I watched there. that recently also. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not that great. It's not really that great. You're right. <laughs> but well, look, here's the... Th- <laughs> You know, uh, well, you, you open up your wallet. They're not all crisp dollar bills. You're going to have some that are rolled up. You're going to have some that have tears on them. You know what I mean? You will. You will. And, and Megan's right now looking at me really mad because that's one of her favorite movies. <laughs> um, but I, here's the thing I, I feel about Scorsese. His films sound really, really good on paper. And I'm still forming this this theory, and I'm still having the build up because there's a lot of the movie I've never seen Taxi Driver before. That's probably some of the older ones I've never seen, so I have to go back and watch them before I can say definitively this is my position on Scorsese. But for just comparing Shutter Island, you know, it's a solid film. The problem is it does not stick the landing. And that's my biggest gripe with the movie because I compare its story to uh, to a movie like uh, what was it called? Sixth Sense. You know, you're you've got this character in this dilemma. You know, there's these little clues about what's actually happening, but at the first pass, you may not notice, and then or maybe you just be like, "That's kind of weird." But then you get the big reveal at the end, like, "Oh my god, this is what's really been going on." Sure. And it shocks you. Uh, that's what Shutter Island tried to do, but in my opinion, failed. Did, Everything was, this your was first time seeing it. Yes, this is my first time seeing it. Okay. Did you have any idea? No. Before going I, in? I knew nothing about it other than it starred my uh, favorite actor that I like to put mm-hmm. in the um, overrated boat, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, and uh, whoa, oh shoot, who's the who's the other guy in that movie? Oh, Ben Kingsley in it, which he just plays Ben Kingsley. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, everyone in Mark it was Ruffalo. fine. Mark Ruffalo, thank you. Which, if you guys have not watched, um, there, there's a show on HBO, yeah, a short series that. that he did. Do you like it? It's he's it's so good. He's so good. He is so good. Like it is he's so, so stinking good. Stinky good. Uh, he, he he really is like that show. I was so happy he won a Golden Globe uh, because I want that film, to, or that show to really get out there. If it isn't already, it's just so stinking good. Uh, this I know it's true. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, something like that. that. Go watch it if you haven't already. Fantastic. Um, but basically, the film got everything right. I think the problem with it is 
the the ending it tied everything up too neatly like you i didn't feel like you had those moments other than the dream sequences uh where you know it kind of showed that maybe something else was going on with his wife other than her just actually burning to death uh but they're they're so abstract that you you kind of I don't feel like you get enough from it. Uh, you know, it's it's not like a scene where, you know, Bruce Willis and his wife are sitting at the table and he's talking and then she just doesn't say anything. Oh, okay, that's fine. His wife's just mad at him. But then he realized later, oh, that's actually not what was going on. You didn't really have a lot of moments like that that really clued you in. Um, I can only think of maybe two or three. Uh, the dream sequences a little bit upon reflection. And the scene where he goes and talks to that guy uh, in the uh, the sea ward that yeah. he was like, why are you in here? And I still don't understand who that guy was. D- do you know who he is? Yeah, that was uh, another inmate of the psychiatric penitentiary that he was in that kept telling him that that he was the who he really was. He just kept telling him. It was just another inmate. Like, dude, you're not this fucking detective, man. You're the guy that killed his wife. Right. So that's it. Right. That's all he was. So he beat the shit up. Okay. Him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense now. I just, it didn't, I was trying to figure out who in the world this guy was. So I guess they were, they succeeded in that. Um, But See, it just, at the very end, oh, go ahead, Guido. I didn't. I I can't remember exact. I remember watching this on Christmas with my parents. We went to the theater when it came out. Um, and I remember knowing that he was part of the psychiatric ward. That was like before the reveal. I remember not, not being surprised by that, but what had shocked me wasn't that. It was the end, the very, very end of the movie where they like where he does this like double reverse of of he he leaves you with not knowing if Leonardo is truly uh, rehabilitated or if he just can't live with the the shit that he did where his wife killed his kids and he killed his wife. This is a huge spoiler for Shutter Island. So that was like I mean, the shocking the... part for me. It wasn't that he was a, a patient of the place. It was that they fixed him and you're left as the credits roll, not knowing if it's true or not, if he was fixed or mm. if he was just doing the thing. Right. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh Definitely. Like when he, he turns around and says some kind of line, is it better to know you're a good guy and you're not really or live being knowing you're a monster, something like that, which I agree kind of leans to that. That Does he actually really understand he is a. I mean, really, he wasn't really that bad of a guy. I mean, he was in distress and was kind of angry. So may, maybe that's part of it. Why I'm I'm not totally sold, but either way. He thinks he's bad and can't live with what he what he saw and ultimately what he did as well. And he just wants to consciously live in that fantasy without it actually taking him over. That's a good point. You know, you, you bring up an excellent point about that. But I just think it could have been so much more. If they just 
when they paced it out, at least kind of clued you in a little more on what he was actually seeing was this elaborate play that they're putting together, which also bothers me because I'm like, okay, they start the film with him coming in on the boat. So what did they just like knock him out and then take him across the ferry and then bring him all the way back? That's exactly what they did. It, okay. Okay. Well, that, that, that sounds <laughs> exactly right, but it doesn't, do. It, it's still like, it's not, I compare that to, you know, I'm about to just ruin the sixth sense. Hopefully everyone who's listening to this has seen the sixth sense. I don't think if you have not, to worry just, about that. Okay. If for whatever reason you haven't, stop the podcast right now, go watch it, and then come back. And watch Sutter Island if you haven't seen that either, so you get more out of the convo. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, you see Bruce Willis get shot at the very beginning. And, you know, people live through shot shot wounds and stuff it happens so you just assume he's just back up and running and seeing this kid and you know then everything plays itself out oh i think it would have helped if we somehow got something like that for shutter island because it just you know you think okay he came in on the boat they're seeing what's going on yeah he's been fed some drugs so maybe that's what's causing some weird hallucinations they're kind of they're trying to screw with him that all makes sense uh, but then just to turn around at the very end and say, no, this is just an elaborate scheme we've put together to help treat you. It's just, it's like, okay, well, this film could have easily been something else. Just, you know, them trying to trick him and that's it. But at the very end, they decide just to retcon everything that's happened for the past hour and some odd minutes and call it a treatment. And I just, I, to me, that just feels kind of cheap. Like it's, it's, it's too neat of a bow to put on everything. The bow is really not that neat upon later viewings. Okay. And that makes sense. You know, you're no doubt you're going to, you know, same with six cents. I hate to keep bringing that one up, but it's just such a, for me, it's a decent comparison and maybe what they were trying to do. You know, you, your biggest shock is going to be that first viewing upon repeat viewings. You're, you're, as you said, you're going to be looking for those um, cues that they're given they're given through the film and recognize that oh that's kind of weird i didn't notice that at the beginning but now that i know the end i see what they're going for honestly though but that factor of it the second watching of shutter island uh it doesn't it's it's too apparent where it brings you out to watching you're just watching a boring movie trying to find these little hints and they show up all the time in the movie which is cool but um Comparing that to another movie I watched somewhat recently uh, that did it so well on the second watching, uh, and that's Arrival. Arrival has this this punch to it where as you're watching it and you know the twist of it all, uh, it just hits a lot harder than Shutter Island does. Which is, it's weird, you know? I don't know why Arrival succeeded at what... uh, Shutter Island didn't upon second viewing. Rival, that's the one where the chick talks to aliens, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a big twist at the end. I won't spoil that one because it's probably lesser seen than Shutter Island and uh, Sixth Sense. But well, the, what's shocking me is I, I we watched it for the Oscar podcast and I don't remember a twist. No. I don't. Um, oh, okay. It's kind of coming back to me. Go, go ahead and tell me. There, there was something about she's like okay. trying We're to just talk. Gonna spoil, spoilers and... for Arrival, also. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
she's trying to communicate with this alien race and they come up with a system of how to talk, but the aliens don't talk or live in a language. They don't talk or live linear. Their language is uh, secular. It's, it's a circle. And to be able to understand it means that you're going to be living in the same time and all time that you're alive at once, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right, right. So they, they, the narr- well, the movie itself is linear. You're watching the story of how this lady transcribes this, this alien language. But upon second viewing, you're watching all the hints that they're dropping to how she's actually understanding the language and living all of these time frames at the same time. <laughs> It's really wow, interesting. I don't remember that. And I watched it with my daughter, and she loved it. And I'm having a totally different experience watching it, knowing what she is going through, than she is watching this linear story. It's it's really astounding. <laughs> and Shutter Island is, it doesn't have that whole thing of, well, he's living everything at once, but it has that same... Uh, there's a twist at the end, and here's the hints as to what, why that twist is happening. And uh, it's just so interesting that Arrival could pull it off, but Shutter Island and other movies can't. Maybe it has to do with the actual theme of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Wow. Arrival was a lot more in-depth than I remember. Dude, Arrival's so good. <laughs> so good. I remember I, I hated on it pretty hard, but... You explained it way more interestingly. I'm gonna to have to go back and watch it. Maybe a second viewing. I'll I'll get on board and, and like it more. There you go. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, any other films you want to chat about? No, I just want you to you know consider Scorsese as the legend <laughs> of Hollywood that he is, and don't <laughs> well <laughs> make these these accusations that he might not that he might be overrated. All right, you're not going to Ridley Scott well, my Scorsese. All right. Well, I can't. I can't promise you that. But I, what I will promise you is I'm going to continue down this journey of watching all the Scorsese films. And I, every time we do a pod on here, and I might do some updates on Twitter. I'll, I'll kind of give a a feeling of you know how I'm feeling about him so far. I think I might even make a little chart of. I can't remember what to, what to put on both sides, like. Maybe the films that make him not overrated and the other ones that make him overrated. Maybe, yeah, you maybe, know, maybe start with the ones where there. he was nominated for Best Picture, not just the <laughs> random one-off that is Shutter Island. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to watch, watch one all. mediocre movie from a director and you're like, he's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's definitely fair. But But to be fair... Uh, Departed is easily one of his worst films, Dude, and it is, is so shocking. Good, and you're wrong. It's so bad. It's not bad. It's, it's good. so bad. It's not bad. It's good. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. It's objectively, hey, you are entitled. It's not. It oh man. Um, Goodfellas is way better than Departed. Yeah, Goodfellas is one of his. It's probably his best movie. Easily. Yo, absolutely. I I, I would definitely. 
say that. And, uh, you know, a taxi driver has this kind of real interesting story, you know, especially with the assassination attempt and that being referenced. Now, don't come back next episode and say, yeah, I watched Gangs in New York and he is overrated because he can't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the Academy was fucking smoking that year in 2002 (laughs) when they nominated Gangs in New York with fucking Cameron Diaz for best picture. (laughs) But you know, don't don't pull that. Don't come on and say Gangs New York. Yeah, that's the next one that I watch. And I am firm in the belief that he is overrated. That was I had that one queued up. Oh, but after that, I want to watch Taxi Driver. Uh, that's definitely the one I've always wanted to watch. But I'm I'm hoping I, I'm definitely I'm not rooting for anyone to fail. It's only if they're already failing. I'm going to put them in the ground. And that's Leo and Ridley Scott. But Scorsese has a chance. And I'm giving it to him. We'll see how he how it plays out. Oh, man. Well, you got a lot of Leo in your future. <laughs> Why? I don't get it. I, I don't get the curse that Leo is putting on really, you know, You're going to have directors. a rough time like, with the aviator, let me tell you. Now, I, I do... I have watched, I actually owned Aviator when it first came out because I enjoyed it so much in theaters, um, which I'm curious to go back and watch that one. If, if, if I still feel the same way as I did then, because I haven't watched it since then. Um, so some of those I, I'm interested to see if, if upon reviewing at a, you know, I don't know how many years later, if I still feel the same way about it. Uh, but even it, I, I definitely say compared to, we said Goodfellas. Not even close. Uh, no. And I just, I don't know. I, I just don't know if, if he is just as good as good as we've kind of built him up to be. And, I, I think but, in terms of other movies that could compare with the tone that he set with Goodfellas and just the, um, just the thematic presence that it had, the only one that I would compare it to is Wolf of Wall Street. I think Wolf of Wall Street, while you're watching it, you feel that depravity. You feel that grossness that is those characters. And it comes out. And uh, it's the only one that kind of hits those emotional checkboxes that Goodfellas did, at least for me. Sure. Sure. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street was all right. <laughs> Just fucking Leo, man. Like anyone else would have been better. But he was he was okay in that film, kinda. Anyways, <laughs> yikes! I know. But if we're talking about the rejection boat right now, uh, Scorsese is easily in first class, whereas uh, Ridley Scott is maybe uh, tied to the anchor or something. Oh, I don't wow. know. And and no, oh, no, 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 no. I put Leo on the anchor, and I put oh, um, Ridley Scott maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe sneaking food out of the galley. Okay. No, he's doing all right. Yeah. He, he's he, he's surviving. All right. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Steven Seagal is on a cruise liner out, headed in the opposite direction for you, though. <laughs> oh man, wouldn't a Liam Neeson Steven Seagal uh, team up flick be pretty badass? No. Steven Seagal <laughs> is over. It's done for Steven Seagal. Forget about I'm bringing Seagal. him back. I, I'm, I'm going, I, I feel like there may be a resurgence for Seagal. 
Um, okay, I might have to become his agent. Pounds, so. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Well, we actually have an email if we want to tackle that uh, last. Yeah. From our, our dear friend Glug. Oh, Glug Arena. Yeah. yeah, old Glug sent us an email back in November. <laughs> Sorry, man. Taking so long. All right. Hey, just okay. Movies Glug here. Last week, Biggie alluded to to one of the biggest strengths of TV shows while talking about Blythe Manor. The ability to use more time to develop a more cohesive story and create a better payoff. Do you think the traditional hour and a half to three hour runtime, one sitting format of a movie lends itself to doing something better than a TV series? Do you think the strengths of the TV series format is why we're often being disappointed by movies? Love you guys and have a good show. Oh, Glug, excellent question, man. That is a good question. Um, I think they need to be assessed differently. You can't compare one to the other. I mean, sure you can, because they're both media. But um, a movie should be, most of the time, I'm, you know, forget about Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, it should be a self-contained story. You sit down, you pop the top, you drink away, you crush the can, you throw it in the trash. <laughs> right? Sure. sure. Meanwhile, uh, a series, they're designed to go on. They're designed to hook you. They're designed to get you to come back every week so that you're paying for the subscription, you're watching the advertisements. They're designed differently than movies. Um, they're designed with a very consumer approach of trying to get you to come back and watch it more and more and more. Whereas movie, you got the trailer, you got any hype built around it, any performers and stuff like that. But once you're sitting in that seat, you get what you came for. You get a movie. And by the time it's over, it's done. You have to, you can then, you know, assess it based on what you saw. I think we're harder on movies because uh, it it involves leaving the house. It involves spending money, going to a theater. To get the best movie-watching experience, you have to go and experience it with, with people. I've said this a few times before. You have to go to a theater. You have to uh, invest yourself into watching it. And uh, TV shows are much different in that you know, you got your phone, you, you can go get up and take a shit and come back and continue where you left off. And, uh, you know, there's a little cliffhanger before every uh, commercial break to make sure that you stick around. You don't want to miss it. Um, it's just a different experience. And I think that they should be graded within their own realms. Oh, did that answer it correctly? <laughs> I I thought that was an excellent job, man. Very, very well said. And I, I concur with a lot of Guido's feelings there. It is it is truly hard to compare the two because a lot of it has to deal with, you know, the narrative they're wanting to tell. Some narratives may be just so large and they're only budgeted, you know, an hour and a half. I, I think in order to be a motion film, you have to reach an hour and 20 minutes. I think that's the mark. Um and, you know, with a lot of material, that could be very hard, especially if you're not guaranteed a sequel. 
So you're trying to cram as much as you can into one thing. Whereas with TV shows, uh, you get a lot of time for breathing room. Um, but I will say, I'll interject that Netflix did kind of switch up the paradigm a bit when they started, I don't know if it's a requirement at this point, but they dump an entire season all at one time. Uh, because at that point, in my opinion, the line between a, a movie and a film really starts to blur a bit. Yeah, they're they're episodic, but if you're seeing an entire arc in one sitting, even though they're broken up, it's hard to not say, well, that's kind of a film, uh, a very long film, because usually they're no less than 30 minutes a piece. Uh, but, you know, you could make some kind of argument uh, to that. You're getting it all at one time. And... I know I can talk subjectively and say which ones I prefer more. And, um, you know, and I think I prefer film more than I do shows uh, because it is a, a true concurrent narrative that's paced in a certain manner to tell the story it's trying to tell. Whereas you can, even if it's an entire season dumped at once or it's episodic every week, you can get different pacing and some storylines that you're going to get on that day may just really yeah. suck. You're also getting uh, different writers. You're getting different directors. You're getting different casting exactly. agents. Like there's so much at play rather than the vision of a writer and a director, uh, director of photography, a cinematographer coming together to create one piece that is a movie. I don't know. Right. No, you're you're totally and right. There's you, exceptions you to both. There's exceptions to both. Like there there's definitely series where there is that, where there is a consistent crew that does everything and you know has a vision and they stick to it and then at the end of the season that's what you get. That could be considered more of film like, but then again you're not you're not fucking sitting in a theater and you're not watching it with a bunch of people feeling those same feelings. Right. Right. And the, the point you bring up too, Glug, about you know the being disappointed by films and maybe if the traditional TV or the Netflix version of, of uh, TV seasons is truly better than a, a film, I think you know, Guido hit uh, the point as well that you know you could have you know when you've got a uh, right now what a season's ten episodes, it's almost going down to eight, which I think is a, a major problem. It, we shouldn't be getting smaller seasons for our money, but that's that's a whole different topic. Uh, but you know you can you can survive a one bad episode or even a two bad episodes, whereas if you have those same kind of really bad moments in a film, you're right, it can tank the entire thing. Whereas it may just be a blip in the radar uh, on uh, for a for a TV series, you know, it's just a bad one or a slow one, whatever. Um, so definitely, film is probably a little more risky. Uh, in that regard, that you you have to have everything balanced yeah. well and in strong direction. So I think when a film is truly good compared to the Netflix world we live in today, that's even more incredible. Yeah, it's uh, not only to, financially more risky; it's it's emotionally more risky, like Biggie's saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, Glug, I, I I think I'm just beating around the bush, and I, I'm definitely not choosing a good side. And I think I have to agree ultimately with Guido that it depends on the material. If it's material that is uh, very large in scope, or you're trying to tell a very complex story, 
uh, that goes down multiple avenues. Um, I, probably the uh, Netflix style dump it all in one. I I personally think Netflix is the right way to go for almost any TV uh, show, honestly, because for me, if know. I'm waiting week, I don't well, think for so. me, like, and it may just come down to preference, but for me, if it's like one episode I watch of a series is a dud, I am possibly not going to watch the next one unless they just really bought me in on that first season. But I'll, I will dump it, no questions asked. Whereas if it's Netflix, eh, one bad episode, I'll watch the next one. I, I you know, might as well. It's available right now. Um, sure. And I think it just feels better. You know, I, I will, oh man. I think of Life Matter. I'm so happy you brought that one back up, Gluck. There's just some episodes of that, and I love how the whoever's directing that episode just nails it. When you know you have this, like you're getting into the story, maybe you're about halfway through, and something happens to your character, and you know the episode's about the end, and it's just about the end on this clean little cliffhanger for the episode, and that music hits in, and you're like, oh my god. This is incredible, and I know I have another episode to be able to jump straight back into the series. That is so powerful. It's something so small, but that episodic feeling that can just leave you in that little tidbit, and then you jump into the next one is such a great feeling that I don't think a film can quite capture. Uh, unless you're just talking about a movie, then you got to jump straight to the next movie. But a TV show being able to do that is is so satisfying well, and so well mo- done. Movie will just it'll leave you. It'll you know you watch it and then you feel all those feelings and then it's over and you get to process that. True, you know? and you're very right as well. Um, you know, a film can easily uh, do that same thing. It's tough. I, I think I definitely prefer film because uh, I do. I do personally think it's very beneficial to a story to have one person with a vision having control over the entire process uh, to truly tell the story that they want to tell. Here's a theory. Uh, Yeah. 2020 was such a stinker for movies because we couldn't go to theaters. Oh, oh, that's the theory. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the theory. That's it. That's all I got. (laughs) That you're you're not wrong. Um, I I will. Well, I guess one, I'll slightly... the movies the movie the movies that we all wanted to see didn't come out. That's right. a big part of it. But also, right. there wasn't that shared experience of going to the theater. You know, I think it, it... that going to a theater elevates a movie. You know, any comedy that I watch is ten times better in a theater than it is sitting at home in my boxers with some cheese dip on my chest <laughs> that sounds wonderful it does um <laughs> I, I i don't get that much out of the theater uh experience other than the excitement of going um you know if, if i'm getting the option between watching a movie at home or which we're getting at this point now which is just mind-boggling insane you know big budget warner brothers films you know we get the choice Sit at home, or if you got a theater open available, you can go watch it there instead uh, for 15 bucks at home. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to choose at home every time. I just don't get that same emotion uh, from being around other people. I, I, I kind of able just to grasp it myself on my own. 
Although I definitely see your point because there are some films I do feel that Star Wars being the biggest one, you know, it's great having that massive oh, yeah. screen, any all these fantastical, any summer yeah. blockbuster action films, watching it with a bunch of people, everyone's reacting to it. Comedy is exactly. the biggest culprit for me just because everything's funnier with an audience. If the guy is laughing next to me, I'm more likely to laugh. It's a great point. You know, I'd never considered that before. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to, to get back to the theater and maybe I'll have a better appreciation for it after you know, watching films predominantly at home for over a year. Uh, may, maybe I'll realize that, oh, hey, I was taking this for granted. Um, but that's a good point, too. Yeah, a lot of films have been pushed. I mean, I don't know if that James Bond film's ever going to come out. MGM might go bankrupt before it comes out. Oh, boy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know they were teetering on it, and, and this was kind of their way of getting back. They're they're thinking about selling the James Bond franchise bid last year. That's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think there's a place for both. I think it ultimately ends on the direction. Um, I, I like horror films being episodic. Personally, uh, I just think it's more interesting because you can tell a, a, a better story. Uh, whereas, you know, other films like sci-fi and action, I kind of like having one big bonanza, you know, going and then that's it. You know, you wait till the next one comes out. But, but yeah, I think it just depends on the material. Like Blythe Manor. It's fantastic. Oh, Blythe Manor. Even that so good. good. Hill House is way better. Blythe Manor was boring <laughs> hill house was terrible no Blythe manor had the best visuals like the guy that um died by the car his like his glasses having the headlights on like, that freaked the fuck out of me it was awesome oh <laughs> we are so different <laughs> it's crazy i love it though uh but no, thanks for that uh, question, Glug. That was a, it's an excellent question. I think that's one that's going to constantly be posed. Netflix has done an amazing job for TV shows. For me personally, I've never watched so many TV shows before until we got Netflix. And I love it. You know, that, that, uh, and it makes me even not want to watch shows until the whole season's done now. Like WandaVision, I've held off because I just want to watch no, the whole thing through. I've every, done that. You missed all the, like, the fun part of watching a show like that weekly. And that's like talking about it with other people and theory crafting what's going on. Like, oh, but I, I'm, that's, that is fun. But I like to, I like to consume the whole story at no. one time and really get, get out of here, Biggie. by it. <laughs> Oh my god. You're wrong. <laughs> we can't agree on anything. <laughs> no, I I've done that with Mandalorian the past two seasons. Like just getting I just I turn on my subscription for Disney Plus, burn through the whole thing, and then cancel it. And it's just a it's it's a wonderful feeling. It's like, oh that's it's that time of year again. Mandalorian just ended. I can now start. And uh, I don't know. I suppose (laughs) I have to use those things to connect to like my coworkers and stuff. Uh, Well, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. I need a discussion Uh, topic. If I just, (laughs) if I'm like, they're like, Hey, did you see WandaVision, man? What did you think? And I'm like, no, I'm, I, I like it when, when they (laughs) do it so that I can watch it. 
I can sit uh, when I'm off of work and watch it all. I like it when they do that. So I wait now. <laughs> then I look like an asshole, I guess. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I see I see how you feel now. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Well, thank you, Glug. <laughs> we appreciate that email, buddy. And hey, if you guys want to send an email, please, please, we love getting your uh, your feedback or any questions you might have. Or hell, if you've seen a movie that we haven't talked about mm-hmm. or you want to share your own thoughts on it, let us know. We love that shit. Send the email to justokmovies at gmail.com. Also, feel free to tweet at us at justokmovies. How about this next think- episode that we do? We're going to have a new segment. We're going to call... We're going to have... Character piece or not, you send in a movie and we'll decide if it's a character piece or if it's not a character piece. I love it. I love it. Email us or tweet us if you want to take part. I might have to make a little list myself. (laughs) Also, uh, I mean, the Academy Awards are coming up soon and I'm sure we'll do an episode definitely either before or after uh, talking about that. And I would we would love to hear what are your top films of last year uh i say two categories if you want to make it a film that uh it didn't have it didn't have to come out in 2020 but you saw it in 2020 and you loved it and another one that did come out in 2020 and you loved it or just do one of them or neither of them whatever's fine uh but cool. i'm just curious well what'd you like because honestly it's uh really scraping the barrel for me i i have to just say 2020 this is all I have to pick, and I just can't think of anything prior yep. to that because it's just a big divide. There were movies that year. Thank God, at least. <laughs> it, it, they, we had something to entertain us yes. uh, because, oh, my God, all the movies, like you know, I had mentioned before the pod, uh, The Little Things, I think that was supposed to come out last year, and it got pushed, and they finally just released it on HBO. Nothing special. It's okay. Um, all, yeah, all if these- anything, here's this. The pandemic, for all the horrible things it's done, it's done one good thing, and that is it saved me about $58 from going to the theaters and watching Wonder Woman 84. Oh, my God. That was so bad. So oh, my Thank Lord. you for that, coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was shockingly bad. I was really expecting they would turn things around with that one. And hey, we got the Snyder Cut coming out. Apparently, it's four hours long. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm not gonna. I watch thought they it. only. I don't like. I fucking Zack Snyder to begin with, and the DC movies are a travesty, and he has a horrible vision for the DC universe. And fucking fight me if you don't agree with me. <laughs> You're a hundred. Uh, that is something, my friend. We can agree with. Oh, thank the God. only. Good movie, I feel like he's ever made in his career was Watchmen. Everything else, I don't care. 300 was garbage. I didn't like it. Um, Everything that Sucker Punch, all the little kids like, Blue, um, every one of the films he's been. Batman versus Superman was the only one that was moderately entertaining because of Batman and Superman. But boy, there's a lot of garbage you got to get through to get to that part. And it is short and not that satisfying. Yeah. Uh, Dawn of the Dead was all right. Oh, yeah, you're right. He did do Dawn of the Dead. 
but yeah, everything else that, that was pretty good. Everything else did suck. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead was actually pretty decent. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, you know, thank you so much, man. This has been a blast. I think we've been going for like an hour and a half, and uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Always mm-hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy it, too. Thanks, Biggie. You're welcome, buddy. Hey, you all take care. We'll see you next time. Um, bye.